0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Get in the Herd. I'm Nathan Mitchell, and this is the McShane Recovery Resource Foundation. I am here with um, our founder and president, co-founder and president, John Schenholzer, right here, and our very, very, very special guest, um, who's where, – where are you? In Northern Virginia, right, Julie? Uh, Julie here yeah. In Winchester, Yes, yeah, So I, I know about Winchester. Um <laughs> Julie is joining us here today. We're going to talk about some of the legislative uh, uh, accomplishments from last uh, General Assembly session, talk about some strategies and thoughts for moving forward, and then some exciting things going on in your world over there that we were just talking about offline. So welcome, Julie. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what brings you here today?
1: Well, sure. Thank you guys so much for inviting me on here and thank you, Nathan, for reaching out. It's good to see you, John. Um, obviously, they've already introduced who I am. My name is Julie Funkhauser and I am the co-founder and CEO of The Recovery Connection, which is a transitional wind program for women out here in the Winchester area. Um, and we have been in operation since uh, September 1st, 2018. Um, we are also a VAR member, so, um, you know, we've had the pleasure of working with a lot of folks out of Richmond, um, including Anthony Grimes, Dave Rugg, John Kors, I'm familiar with all of y'all, and I'm also in long-term...
0: Hey, Julie, can you hear us? (laughs) Julie, you're really breaking up over there. Can you, uh... Uh, Julie, you've broken up. We've lost you, Julie. Darn. Uh, Todd, any thoughts?
2: (laughs) I I would say, Julie, go out and come back in, see if you get a better connection. It's, It's probably your server. You are up in the hills there, Virginia. So exit out, come back on, and I imagine me and Nathan could chat for a minute.
0: Well, we've got. Hey, look at look at who we've got on, on watching right now. There's Lisa Madison, uh, Lisa. You know, Lisa. Lisa's over there running one of our houses. One of one of the you got ladies you, houses. you got
2: you look like you really got some fans from up her way there. We'll be right back. Sometimes these connections, man, you get everybody in the country on a a Zoom or a Streamyard at the same time. I, I, we got to be burning up a bunch of satellites and <laughs> outer space <States> right now.
0: <laughs> Recovery satellites.
2: Well, I mean, who knew? All of a sudden, overnight, you're going to have you know four billion people using zoom and Yardbird and everything went virtual overnight. The world wasn't ready for that.
0: No, not at all. But you know, we're, we're really adapting to it though. The, the, uh, the way the recovery community has adapted and, and jumped on and, and created a, uh, you know, jumped into the vacuum and created space for people to still get involved in recovery has been pretty amazing. Um,
2: Improvise, overcome and adapt, man. That's one, that's one thing recovery people are damn good at
0: that's your marine training i love that
2: yeah but that's recovery people <laughs> yeah. all the way i mean you know can't get what you need on one corner you go to another corner you keep trying to you get what you need <laughs> same with recovery you don't get what you need in, you know one recovery spot you go to another one and the covid-19 hits if we don't get our needs met you know by one apparatus we go to another mm-hmm. i mean we're
0: we're really good at that we're, we're, we're kind of like water yeah. you know we always find the the lowest point well we keep moving That's we keep point. moving yeah <laughs> if you don't, <laughs> hey there she hey. is <laughs> welcome back julie
1: hey, so, <laughs> See, go, uh, so, this is how technologically challenged i am i can't i couldn't figure out how to get it on my mac so then i used my partner's computer and then i don't know something with the server and so now i'm on my phone um and there's a lot of action going on in the house right now so this is great
2: <laughs> that's perfect though. we get to see a working woman in a working environment talk about working legislation and working advocacy that's perfect yeah <laughs> that's
0: way, yeah.
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> so um and then we're also hold on let me oh gosh we have construction going on too.
2: So. Oh, we love we love expansion now. There's nothing wrong with expansion.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, um, let me go out to my car. I'm on a <laughs> say hi, well, everybody. You're,
2: you're, you're, you're good where you at, man. Put them on the show,
0: man. I love it.
1: <laughs> Meredith, do you want to say hi? We're on the show.
0: Uh oh. Hey everybody. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh my,
2: like, there's a lot a a around someplace
1: oh man okay let me get in my car oh me. my gosh i'm so sorry guys
2: that's all right yeah a beautiful day in winchester look at the sky you know, out there is, man. Cool it is hot
1: it. as can be it is like 90 yeah. something odd degrees so
2: um yeah
1: okay i think i'm
0: okay <laughs> oh boy oh
1: my god you know my
0: mother's my mom owns a house in Winchester. I haven't oh, been yeah? there in years. Yeah, she she rents it out. Uh, she and her ex-husband still own the house together. I, I have to get up there at some point. Um, not, you hey, should go.
1: come visit. Stop by TRC.
0: Yeah, before
2: Julie burns up, why don't you jump right into Danny's law, Nate? Ask her about that.
0: Yeah, so... Julie, um, Danny's law goes into effect on July 1st, and 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 since you're the shepherd of this bill, perhaps um, you could tell us a little bit about the history of what what this bill is going to do, um, what how it became, you know, how it began, and what what happened, and and maybe talk about what isn't in the bill, um, and maybe what we need to go with forward. I know that's a lot, but uh, yeah, that's kind of what we're here to talk about. It's a it's a really big accomplishment, and I'm looking forward to hearing your view on this and sharing with that.
1: Thank you, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. And thank you to McShin and uh, Nathan and John. Um, you guys have always been so incredibly supportive. Um, so so Danny's Law, um, I just actually, uh, Governor Northam, I was able to do a virtual ceremonial signing on Friday, and it was one of the most powerful moments in my life. Um, so Danny Danny was my, my husband. Um, I lost him um, to an overdose uh, and his co-occurring mental illness on September 11th, 2018, 11 days after opening the Recovery Connection. Um, and, you know, being in recovery myself, um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things I don't know if anybody listening or um, can understand kind of like, you know, I, I've I've been in recovery. I've, I've been around, I've seen people lose their lives. I've seen family members lose loved ones. I've seen that, but you know, it's always that lingering thought that like that could never happen to me. You know, that could never happen in my life. Um, and you know, it, it, um, and that's, I felt the same way, you know? Um, and I've been impacted by the disease, um, for, for years, but nothing, um, nothing compares to having lost, you know, the love of my life. Um, and, uh, he struggled with, um, co-occurring mental illness. Um, you know, and, and, um, you know, aside from being in recovery myself, I've also been in the industry since, um, graduating from college in, in 2014, another gift of, of recovery is being able to get an education and go back to school and follow my passion. And, um, so I've been in the industry for a while and, um, you know, so, so often, I don't know the exact statistic, but I'm willing to bet that the large majority of folks that struggle with substance use disorder have a co-occurring mental illness in some capacity, a lot of which has, you know, similarities to trauma. Um, and, and Danny struggled a lot with um, co-occurring mental illness, especially as bipolar disorder. And so, um, you know, the. the His story. um was so unbelievable. The events leading up to his passing, it's something that, um, is, it was, let me just back it up after, you know, I, have you know, learned of his passing and, um, kind of like that, that raw shock kind of wore off after about a month or so. Um, and I kind of was able to kind of get my bearings back, um, on like who I am and what's going on in the world around me. Um, I sat back and I reflected on everything leading up to his death Um, and all of the events, especially, you know, the last couple months leading up to his passing, but most significantly the the eight days the seven or eight days leading up to his death were so indicative Mm -hmm. of the gaps in our current system especially at the crisis level that I, you know, I don't know if anybody can empathize or understand or get where I'm coming from on this, but I had this unwavering compelling feeling in my soul that I couldn't let this go, that this story was meant to be told and it was meant to be used. Um, His life and his memory um, was meant to be used to affect positive change for others. Cause he, um, he and I met in recovery and, um, you know, we, we built a beautiful life together and, um, you know, got married and he built a business and I helped him do that. And we had two beautiful kids. We reunited with his older two children. And, um, you know, he had almost six years clean before he started to struggle again. And it was, you know, um, at first it was abusing his own psychiatric medication. And, um, so I say all that to say, um, you know, I, I, I Danny's bill when I when I took a look at um when I got connected with Senator Vogel who was the the sponsor of Danny's bill um you know I told I told Danny's story um and she looked at me um just in complete and utter shock as as most other people have when I've shared everything that happened and um she said out of everything that happened Julie where do you think the system failed the most and um you know honestly that was a hard a hard decision um because there were so many elements and so many different entities, um, where he could have been engaged and gotten help to which he slipped through the cracks. But, um, you know, about 36 hours before his passing, he voluntarily went to the hospital, uh, to the emergency room and expressed, you know, that he was unstable and he wasn't well, and he needed help. And he was under the influence of substances. And, um, you know, I, he essentially grew agitated and, and, um, you know, they didn't know what to do with them. And he left. And, um, you know, they, um, he had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, as most people do, if they voluntarily go and ask for help at the emergency room for a psychiatric crisis. And, um, you know, he, he got irritated, and um, he felt unsupported, and um, he left, and then he consequently passed away shortly thereafter. And so, you know, um, I think that, You know, I see a lot of work being done on the front end in regards to harm reduction and and all of that. Um, And there is so much that needs to be done in regards to the crisis level, you know, when somebody is in crisis. um, So that's kind of where it was born. You know, Danny's Law was born, if you will. So am I on the right track? Am I rambling too much? You tell me what I'm doing wrong.
0: No, Julie, you're wonderful, and I I really applaud you for sharing this story with us. And and so take us through, um, once you met with Senator Vogel, and you put together, you know, what were the ideas that came from that? And, you know, as I know, the, the bill shifted a little bit. And and perhaps, you know, I, I'll go out on a limb and say it was a little diluted. Um, and I think that there are things that we can still put in the bill going forward. But what what did you guys, what were the accomplishments in this law? What, what's the change that's about to happen?
1: And we are going to make changes and we are going to strengthen we it. 100 percent. 100 percent, my friend. And you're going to help me. <laughs> um, so, yes, originally, originally, I will say, you know, um, you know, thinking in terms of, of the population of people, you know, there's a lot of work going into legislation efforts in regards to temporary detention orders, um, involuntary commitments and things of that nature. But there's not a lot there. There, there needs to be more attention. Wow. That's incredibly vital. Incredibly vital. It all is. You know, I can't minimize. The, it's all imperative. But there seems to be this, this population of people that seem to fall by the wayside. The and what I mean by that is when people are in, are in crisis and they have that short window of willingness to seek help and they go to the emergency room and they're in a psychiatric crisis of some sort, whether it's substance use induced or, or not, you look at the data, one in eight ER visits are for a psychiatric crisis. That's a lot. So you know, you're, you're looking at this population that are literally walking in and basically saying, help me. Help me, and they are left waiting and waiting and waiting, sometimes hours upon hours upon hours in the main waiting rooms, right? You know, because there's a lack of space, and oftentimes it's right by the, the front doors, um, you know, where they could just and just as fast as they decided to come, they could change their mind and leave. Um, because it's not, you know, they're, they're, they're on their free will. Nobody's engaging with them. I couldn't tell you the amount of people that have come to me saying, you know, I sought help for suicidal ideations and I had to sit in the waiting room for 16 hours. You know, um, I couldn't tell you the amount of people that said that they had suicidal thoughts or they wanted to harm themselves and they were left waiting and waiting. Um, so there's this population of people, um, that are in crisis and they're asking for help, to which the system is is just not developed in a way to um, keep them engaged in order to figure out properly what level of care and what they need. Um, and so originally, you know, um, Danny's law, the way that I presented it was in the event of a substance use related emergency, um, it would mandate that um, the Board of Health would amend regulations to require. Um, a behavioral health assessment to be completed in the event of somebody presenting with a substance related emergency. And then um, it would also require access to Narcan, not a script, not a paper script, but in the event of an opioid overdose be given literally a kit of Narcan. Because we know that when someone is in crisis or post overdose, they're oftentimes not going to take a paper script and go to the pharmacy to fill it. So, um, being given Narcan, having a warm handoff to a peer recovery specialist or a case manager or someone with proper training, and then having some type of system to which, um, there's people working on, um, referrals to care afterwards. So, um, that's originally what the legislation discussed, you know, it pretty much mandated all of those above, um, all of those above requirements. And um, obviously, you know, when moving forward, um, we got a lot of pushback because of the fiscal impact that it would have um, and just uh, that's a lot in one, in one bill. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of, it kind of got to a point where um, I wanted to get it through you know, I wanted to get it yeah. through to then come back and build from, and I wanted to use this as an opportunity to start changing the conversation. You know, start getting legislators and and people engaged in a conversation that's surrounding um, more of the idea that we need to think of this more comprehensively in regards to mental illness um, versus you know separating mental illness and substance use, right? Because. Um, you know, a lot of the times Danny was in a substance induced psychosis. He was having delusions. He was, um, hallucinating. He was, um, in, in, in a psychotic episode, but it was drug induced. Right. So if somebody, an example, um, is, you know, say, um, a 55 year old man is found in a ditch unconscious due to alcohol poisoning. Right. So he's taken to the hospital. Um, You know, they they assess and they get him stable and, and what have you. So stigma would tell us that he is a severe alcoholic. But what if he struggles with paranoid schizophrenia and he's never really had alcohol in his life and the voices in his head told him to drink a liter of vodka? That requires two completely different types of interventions. And so until we can kind of get in there at the crisis level and establish more more solid protocol in in figuring out what is exactly going on and how do we get these people to the level of care that they need and the places that they need to go um otherwise we're just going to see recidivism rates increase um because you know we we're doing a lot of things on one end but then we you know there's not much being done at the crisis level and then access to care is always an issue so um You know, essentially the way that Danny's bill reads now is that it mandates assessments to be completed, but it does provide hospitals leniency. Um, It requires them to develop protocol on how to get them um, referred out into the community and for follow-up care. But it kind of in the language, you know, it says may instead of shall, which is kind of that way of saying like, oh, you could do this, 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 and that, or, you know, So that's kind of the way, what it does do is it provides greater consistency across the state in general, and it gives the Virginia Department of Health more authority to express, you know, and follow up on complaints when things aren't being followed correctly. So it does, it will bring an impact and it does begin to change the conversation and it does begin to bring more of an awareness to our need to target this population of people that are voluntarily seeking help. whether it's, you know, strictly mental illness or substance use or both. So um, I hope that makes sense. Do you guys have any questions?
2: You know, Julie, I want to pipe in here for a minute before Nathan forgets I'm sitting next to him. <laughs> the um, You know, back in 1982, when I got clean, you could go into any hospital in the Richmond area and say you had a problem and needed help. And probably within an hour or two, you'd be inside the door of a quality treatment center, treated with dignity and respect. And the system was that good in 1982. And I'm talking high-level, inpatient treatment-slash-mental-health-recovery mm-hmm. systems. The, and what changed since then was the first thing that changed was the government showed up and said, Hi, we're here from the government. We're here to help. Right there, people should have known something wasn't going to work out right. Right. Our our government stripped the consumer's ability to access reimbursement for inpatient treatment. And they did that knowingly and willingly, in part, that it was going to create a glut for the increase in criminal justice system. So way back when, bureaucratic and political privilege yeah, which is exactly what it was, special interest. They created the criminal justice system, and they knew one way they could build it up rapidly and fully funded by the taxpayers was the demonize addiction, strip resources, make it so the commercial insurance didn't have to pay for anything, put the burden on the taxpayer. Our, our tax-funded agency were just as unequipped and underfunded then as they are now to deal with the onslaught in the masses, Mm-hmm. And here we are, fast forwarding almost 38 years later. Mm-hmm. And, and you went downtown there, and God bless you, did a great job. You and Senator Vogel, man, you got this conversation reignited, restarted. But Senator uh, Deeds, you know, he had a similar situation a few years back. And yes. here at this guy, with, you know, one of the more powerful senators in the General Assembly. He had all these great ideas. It, it seems to me he got a few things done, but but we're still in the grip of the problem, the quagmire. So yep. my first question was, you know, how did I know you must have interacted with Senator Deeds. What was his take on this? Well did you?
1: Um to, to be honest with you, I really didn't have too much interaction with him. I, I did meet with him um, early on before I actually got connected to Senator Vogel. Um, and you're right about, about all of that. Um, and I just have to say, um, you know, very quickly touching on a piece of, of Danny's story and just to kind of paint a picture of what we dealt with. Um, and, and the fact that stigma is very much alive and well, um, is that, you know, before Danny voluntarily went to the hospital, I did try and get him detained, um, against his will through an ECO. And, um, you know, I had to pretty much um, really kind of fight to get that ECO granted. Um, and I had a lot of evidence to to show that he was unstable, but because drugs were involved, um there was there was kind of a, um, you know, this this pause, and and um, you know, I've experienced that also with being in the industry and working with clients directly. And when they're in crisis, I've had to do similar things. And I've pretty much had to fight my way to get an ECO granted when substances are involved. Um, So I say that to say, you know, when when he was evaluated, they they let him go in the midst of delusions and hallucinations. um, And he was under the influence of drugs, but he was in psychosis. And so when um, the screener from the community services board called me to tell me that they have... um, released him, Danny had already called me screaming, you know, and saying a lot of delusions and things that he was seeing that weren't there. And, you know, I told her, I said, well, he just called me and said X, Y, and Z. And she said, man, that's a police issue, not our issue.
0: Um, you, know,
2: you know, that that's, I'm going to just jump in one more time, Nate, then you can take back over. But, you know, the, the earlier you asked or you stated about mental illness slash substance use disorder, it's it, It's just scientific fact when you're in the symptomatic stage of addiction, when you're in that acute stage of addiction, one hundred percent of those people are mentally ill they're no, they a hundred percent mental illness, even the people that find recovery like all three of us have, and you take the substances out over 50% of us have a diagnosable and need to be treated co-occurring mental illness.
1: That's
0: right. And in in
2: 1982, when I got clean, we were taught to talk about your illness, just like women who had breast cancer and had mastectomy. The only way they were going to change the world was talk about it and, Be proud that you had cancer and you followed doctor's orders and you successfully recovered. Let the world know you're in recovery. We started out in 1982, the stigma reduction, and there was a deliberate re stigmatization that took place by politicians, bureaucrats, and special interests, knowing that stigma was going to be the tip of the spear for all future changes needed to take place. And it just played out with you down the General Assembly. How dare these son of a bitches! take a, Take an addict that's symptomatic and in an acute state and try to act like that's a criminal justice problem versus a mental illness problem, that just chaps my ass. And that's why you got so many people marching in the streets right now. They're just not that they're just not racial uh equality seeking people. Those are people, those are white, white girls, white guys, their families. They've been handled now for over 30, 40 years by an a unjust criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great big powerful moment in history. And I think now the time more than ever before to press these issues, go back down to General Assembly. God knows we'll follow you down there. And let's get this stuff done properly in a timely manner and 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 take advantage of this opportunity before us because this all ties together this is just not one question man this is this is weird and we're all in it together and we got to get the voters and taxpayers to understand they're paying for this and they're being hoodwinked by these these arrogant cocky little bastards that that are creating all these policies and all these rules and it's just wrong so I'm, I'm super proud of you, man. It takes a lot of strength and courage to do what you did. And, and you know, I'm getting older, but yet these are the folks I want to stand behind. You know, I, I know we got warriors coming behind me, my wife, and our generation and, and the roads we paved. So I'm just delighted to be sitting here, and I'm empowered by listening to you talk and 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 nathan here he's still he's still learning here a little bit too and and i'm really proud and excited for what he got going on here so mm-hmm. but, but as i speak i, I feel compelled to say some things so nate back to you
1: <laughs> thank you john Thank you. I love, that, john. <laughs> Julie,
0: Julie, I love you too i i i have i've you know i'll echo what john said about about uh watching you and 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 you know we've only really met a couple of times and it's just been very powerful each time i've heard you speak in front of committees and subcommittees and i've heard you you know talking here and i mean i've heard you i've seen you and and doing what you do and showing up it's amazing now now, we talked uh, about going forward, and and there's a word that you used, or there's a, there's a topic that you brought up, and I think John sort of alluded to it just now, but, you know, the financial thing. That seems to be what hung people up on this bill, and I, I find that so incredibly short-sighted, as I imagine the two of us, well, the four of us here all do. Um, because of course, if we if we don't spend a little money on the front end, you know, the back end is gonna be a whole lot more expensive when we're talking about um, the costs of incarceration. We talk about the costs of emergency room, repeated emergency room visits. And John always brings up, and I never think about this, but the costs of torn families, you know? So when we can start to put people back together at the beginning, you know, those costs go down over time and then we have a happier, healthier society. So okay. it's so short-sighted. And that's the argument that like, I, I always wanna try to to present myself personally, and I think it, it's helpful when we can see these powerful faces and voices of recovery like you out there being a, uh, an acceptable, responsible, productive member of the society. You know, doing these things. So now, going forward and amending the law or, or adding to the law, and going forward as we go, what do you want to go and and, and work for this coming general assembly?
1: Ooh, that's a loaded question, Nathan.
0: No, <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> We got, work
1: to do. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. I, I mean, um, let me just say, um, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm very spiritual and, um, the way that all of this unfolded, you know, um, it, I have every reason to believe that this is not over. Um, you know, over the course of, of my advocacy on a state level, I've I was able to get in front of um, you know the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, Jim Carroll, um, and other members out of out of the White House administration, and um, you know there there's there's some federal um, there's some you know some things kind of happening at the federal level now, you know, in the midst of the pandemic and everything like that. But I think we're onto something very, very big. Um, You know, and what I want to see happen is I want us to change the conversation. I want us to take a shift um, and starting to look at exactly what John was talking about and exactly what you were just talking about, you know, in regards to finances, it's pay now or pay later. So what do you want to do? Do you want to bury people in morgues? Do you want to Jail them to where they're not getting proper help and they're going to end up back there and create, you know, continue to create, um, you know, um, a lot of issues over the course of time with, you know, continued trauma and, and things like that in institutions. Or do we want to actually get to the root of the problem? And the root of the problem is rooted so deeply in trauma, mental illness, um, and and so much of that, that until we start to look at it from a more comprehensive approach and be like, okay, you know what? we're dealing with mental illness. We're dealing with a mental illness epidemic um, that's, you know, complex in nature and requires a lot more work than we're already doing and a lot more dollars into incentivizing providers to expand services. You know, I will say yeah, like we're we're working to get licensed um, here in, at the Recovery Connection because we wanna work with Virginia Medicaid. And I will tell you it's, um, you know, in building our financial model and making sure that we can stay alive, um, it is difficult, you know, it is difficult. It, it is difficult for a lot of providers out here to stay alive, to be able to do what they love to do with passion and help people um, and help people heal when, um, you know, it's, um, <laughs> it's just kind of, it's, there's so much to be done. Uh, there's just so yeah, much hey, to
2: be hey, done. Julie, let, Julie let, yeah, I know you, you heard it a Portugal model before, but if, if not, Google Portugal drug policies, and in the last 15 years in Portugal, they were able to reduce their criminal justice by, I want to say, 40, 50 percent. Wow. Uh, Overdose over death rate by 95 percent. What they basically and effectively did was take addiction and mental health away from the criminal justice, put it in the hands of the community health providers, and it's it's the number one recovery model in the world Hmm. and and we got a little movement started here in america where we're really starting to get that message out and whatnot but earlier you got to realize these these guys using these emergency rooms as their primary care physician and then using up the criminal justice styles that's a lot more expensive than treating these folks in the community and and our data shows we got solid indisputable evidence-based data Mm -hmm. you know 50% of the people who just get a decent head start in a recovering community do not recidivate and go back at the levels they once were. So we have the science, we have the data, we have models. Uh We just got to fight to get people who are stuck on stupid and just get them thinking the other direction. And and I can't help but to wonder if, if Danny... Would have walked into a private care facility and had a you know forty thousand dollar check in his hand, you know damn good and well, they'd have taken him in and and given him you know high quality care and There's no reason why we can't have that in the public funded section either given the amount of money we're spending on these other agencies that aren't as effective. I'm not saying they don't got good people working there trying their best. But right. the systems are designed to fail. And that's the, that's another part that irritates me. And I get in a lot of trouble for saying that. I yeah. don't make friends in that. But my mission ain't making friends. My mission is common sense change that needs to take place. So as you speak and Nathan speaks, I, I get these thoughts that I, I think the God of my understanding wants me to get it out there. So uh-huh. I don't, It's coming for me. You got a problem with what I'm saying. You talk to God, man, because I'm inspired by a big dog.
1: <laughs>
2: Let me throw that out there.
1: Exactly. I mean, if you just look at the data, you know, I, 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 it's, you know, there, there's a, um, there's federal legislation in place. It's, oh gosh, I hope I don't butcher this. It's been a minute since I've had to say it on committee. <laughs> it's, it's federal emergency medical active treatment, emergency medical treatment active labor, labor act. I think that's what it is. That's a federal. That's federal legislation that exists right now that categorizes a psychiatric crisis, which by the way, does include (laughs) substance use, right? So when you say the word mental illness, underneath mental illness, you have substance use disorder.
2: So- That's a subset of mental illness, it's covered.
1: So it categorizes mental illness or psychiatric crisis as equivalent to a heart attack, okay? Categorizes it as equivalent to a heart attack. So if we have federal legislation that is saying that psychiatric crises are categorized as imperative and as urgent and as um, acute as a somebody walking in the door holding their heart with a heart attack, and then somebody walking in saying that you know they want to take a bunch of heroin and overdose and die are then told to sit in the waiting room for 10 hours. Something's wrong with that, right? Like that doesn't make sense at all. It's
2: discrimination, at all. it's barriers, and it's wrong, and that's the stuff we need to change. I mean. Yes. You know we're not going to save everybody there's still going to be a tremendous amount of death and pain and and jail and imprisonment yes. going on yes. but we can do so much better it's so obvious to people like us and this is another special thing about this conversation we're all in recovery here even todd working the program over there so i think further evidence demonstrates when you get to recovering people in the mix you just brought the ultimate weapon against the illness southern's youth disorders and, and the outcome got to be better right off the bat Right. You know, if you, if you had to teach everybody Judaism, you, you'd want a good rabbi to teach them. You wouldn't want to go get somebody from Al Qaeda teaching them. It doesn't make sense, you know. So we got all these recovery soldiers out here. Know what time of day it is? You know, by God, empower these folks. You know, give them the tools. Right? <laughs> But, but Nathan, I talking, that's the truth, man. I know. I, I know. Got, I love it. <laughs> i in my office tell me to get out of the business. And so Why would I want to do that? I mean, we got the best results of anybody in the state, the way I'm seeing it. Ne- next to maybe, you know, prison or something, but are they really getting recovery in prison? You're right. just housing them, you know, probably turning out a worse illness by the time they get out if, if you don't get on top of good recovery services and corrections. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah.
2: Man. Yeah. I love that. Hey, and I just want to point out there was a girl on here that put a comment up. She, she's a young lady. She I think she's 29. She's having her second child. But when she was down at General Assembly when we were advocating for uh the Good Samaritan bill. And she I think Same. sat in on one of your bills and got to be around you for a minute. She was incredibly inspired, man. Yeah, she says, I will never forget that day at the General Assembly such a great experience to be part of so
1: oh, thank you you're inspiring
2: people we're inspiring people you know we gotta i don't go down to ga without a bunch of newcomers man and then you know that's how nathan got into this and there's so many people you know this, this is what we got to do man we got to take our yes. people down to educate them that's and right. the one who's at war will rise, you know. And if they don't, you know, we got 23 million Americans in recovery, 23 million Americans need to be in recovery. That's 56 million <laughs> Americans. You can't tell me we can't find five to 10 million people who like to go call on politicians. I mean, the mm-hmm. disgusting. As it is, you know, it, 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 it ain't no worse than going down a hood trying to cop dope. So,
0: <laughs> well, I, certainly,
1: I don't have any intention on going anywhere. So, uh-huh. I, um, uh, You know, I plan on posting up in Richmond, um, you know, next, next General Assembly. I've got uh, things on my mind and, you know, this is, this is just the beginning.
2: Um, Did you have have any House members in your corner, co-signing? Did you have a House bill or just a Senate bill?
1: Just had a Senate bill. um, But I think moving forward, you know, um, prepping for it, because I was like brand new. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about advocacy. I knew nothing about anything. All I knew, you know, I, I it's my experience.
2: You been to the, horse track? What's
1: that?
2: You ever been to the horse track, horse betting?
1: I mean, horse I've been track. there.
2: I, I personally uh, like but. I was going to say, the first time I ever went to the horse track was the only time I ever won money betting on a horse. And it's the first time you go to General Assembly, that's the only time you ever get something done is the first time. you <laughs> will
0: never be like <laughs> that, that again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope that's not the case. Well, I'm gonna change yeah. that, John. I'm gonna
0: yeah, change that. I hope so. Well, you yes. know the way to change that is to grab newcomers and bring them with you every time, so you constantly have right. that newcomer energy with you. There you go. Yeah.
1: There you um, go. If,
0: if you have a plan to be here for the next General Assembly, I'd really love, you know, uh, as a male, it's it's it, it'd be great to have an, a female who can maybe maybe mentor some women here. You know, I, I've I've brought some people with me, you know, but I to know. to that that separate connection um, that might be helpful, you know, ways that we can work together on that and combine our efforts. Cause I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I know that there, there's work that needs to be done. You know, we, the the whole PRS thing got next nixed out of the bill and that's, you know, that's something that's really, really, you know, important to me personally.
2: What we need to do Julie and now the good time is, is create like a Virginia association of recovery community (laughs) organizations Mm-hmm. That can come together and and get a list of legislative agenda items and go down and work as a team and get a whole lot of stuff done.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, Our absolutely. I've already to,
2: yeah, Var uh, trying to do stuff, but that's just a Var. What's
1: that?
2: <clears throat> what I was saying was that there are there's other agencies and organizations that do this, but they only do it for their own wheelhouse, their own organization. Somebody's got to step up and speak for all the recovery community organizations, all the recovery people, mm-hmm. and that's something mcshin has been doing it by ourselves now for sixteen years, mm-hmm. and we've got a lot of stuff done. Right. But I can only think back if we were all organized a little bit better and worked as a team more, we'd have got we'd be so much further along right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and so we need to do that.
1: Well, and it, you know, and it it just it's this huge ripple effect you know it's it's not just the people that are in recovery it's the loved ones it's the family members you know i've um you know having been on both sides of the aisle you know i'm in recovery myself and then you know being married to to um someone in recovery and then being married to someone who is actively using and um the pain on on being the loved one you know um that's a pain that um you know, it's really, really hard to to describe. So it it impacts everybody. Um, everybody is impacted. And um
2: well, you know. I'm married to a recovery woman for 22 years. So, you know, the struggle's real. I know what you're going, through. <laughs> <laughs> on, going to. No, but it, you know, so there, there's many married couples out there in recovery, you know. So we mm-hmm. got a lot of them out there. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> But I'm excited. I mean, think about it. What what would some items you think if, if we if we organized together a bunch of recovering communities, mm-hmm. got out of the single minds, uh, ask, you know, what would a what would a group of things you'd like to see get done as a big group?
1: Well, um, whew, that's a loaded question. But I think coming back, I want to strengthen Danny's law. I want to mandate um, some of those pieces, you know, um, I want to mandate a behavioral comprehensive assessment to be completed in the event of a substance use related emergency to identify any co occurring mental illness um, or medical conditions. Um, I want to um, mandate a warm handoff to a peer or case manager or somebody who's been trained in crisis to try and engage them. Um, You know and i would like to also mandate um uh, case management to work on at least three referrals to different places post you know treatment and stabilization so you know just mandating that these people you know the people in 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 the emergency rooms and the hospitals actually you know um because by mandating these these standard operating procedures it essentially forces forces them against stigma because they have to do it so it doesn't matter what the person goes home to their family and thinks that they're struggling with judging or, or it, literally they can't, they have to do it. Um, something else, a huge, huge thing I'm going for. Um, and I talked to Nathan a little bit about this and I'm ready and I want to do it is I want to go after these DBGS barrier crimes. Um, and I want to take a look at um, how badly it is negatively impacting um, the service population and people that want to serve in the industry, um, people that are in recovery that want to be certified peer recovery specialists that have convictions from, you know, a period of time ago that is pretty much blocking them from being able to serve when really they're the best ones for the job. Well,
2: so. when, we, when we, you know, I was on a committee that invented basically the peer providers in Virginia. That started at mcchen people don 't realize that, but we sort of partnered with the state and in the very beginning, we made it very clear that there were going to be basically no barrier to employment. It was going to be basically left up to the agency whoever were to hire you, they can pick and choose they hire, but there was never intended to be an across the board barrier for barrier crimes. so that's something they invented along the way once they squeezed me out of those policy meetings so another reason why you want the authentic recovery people in these policy meetings Mm -hmm. you know so the state will rig the system every step of the way and the more you're in this space the more you're going to realize that i'm not even sure they realize what they're doing they're just automatically riggers. you know what i mean they can't help themselves if you stop and think about it virginia has a half a million people that meet the clinical criteria need for substance abuse treatment Right now, over a hundred thousand of those people are being served in jails, prisons, probation, and parole, not adequately, I might add. So the the you're talking about inverting that system and getting these folks out of those systems. And even if we even if all these people went to the hospital tomorrow to get that assessment, Virginia Jenny does not have the capacity to serve them all. Mm-hmm. So. And, and the way I'm seeing this, the recovering communities, your organization, my organization, and the other 500 that need to pop up in the next few years, this is where the real activities are going to take place. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but the people who rig the systems, they're not going to rig it to get mm-hmm. the best outcome. They're going to rig it to suit their agency the best. Mm-hmm. So I think there lies a the big problem. We have to expose the rats in the woodpile and not let up and that's where the media comes in we need the media you know it's great that they do these great stories on us but they need to do a story every day where the breakdown is where the need is where the fix is and and we need the media on our side day in and day out until we fix these things just like they fixed civil rights they fixed the uh, era and uh-huh. it looks like it's gonna stay with our current crisis so Right, we right. we have institutional knowledge, you know, but we need warriors like you, like me, like Nate, and the others around the state. We got to stand together. You got Jenny up in Northern Virginia. I mean, there's a bunch of us. Mm-hmm. We we got to you know coagulate quickly, stand together, and start hounding away. And it's a long, hard road.
1: It is a long, hard road, but it can be done, and it will be. You know, I like I I what I try and do is I you know like with with Danny's law. um, I was like, I'm doing this. You know, there was like no ifs, ands or buts about it. Like this is happening. Um, And I, I, I very much look forward to like, you know, Nathan, I, you know, I just want to go ahead and like give him some mad kudos because there was, um, I can't remember which committee because there's so many of them, but um, it was Nathan's celebration night. And he came um, to the General Assembly to testify in support of my legislation. Um, And I think it was like the House committee or subcommittee or something. Um, And he was about t- 10 minutes late to his <laughs> own celebration so that he could be there to. Uh,
2: to service, work, <laughs> service work, man. Service
0: work. I can know.
1: begin to tell you what that means to me, you know, is like. You know, of course, like we know in our own hearts where our passion lies and what, what it means to us. And we all have these internal, you know, I know I have my inner motivation and my reasons why, and we all have our reasons why, but to be validated and to have somebody else look at look at you and show up for you because they believe in your reason why, that's a huge deal. And, um, you know, I, I will be forever grateful for what you did for me, Nathan, and, um, you know, like... We've got we've got a lot of awesome stuff ahead and um
2: you know there's well, just, just for the record, Nathan was keeping me posted blow by blow. <laughs> okay, and, good. And, and, he, and he's a nice group, he loves to run down the general assembly and he asked about Danny's law. I said, Nate, you do whatever you whatever we can. Okay. I can't be everywhere at once, but you can. That's what <laughs> You come like the the bunny. You are, and you make us all look good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, Absolutely. You know. And you know too. You know what I would love to see because I, I did have two budget amendments that got shot down. Um,
0: tell, tell me about it.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So
0: yeah, they all got shot down. Yeah. Bro.
1: Um, like like done. Like not even like a thing. So um, oh
0: you know, geez.
1: Yeah. So speaking in terms of crisis, obviously I wanted you know, I I put in a budget amendment for a planning grant for a um, regional crisis stabilization and detox here, because we've touched on that, you know, like where are they, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that got shut down. And then, you know, something that is more specific to the exact situation that Danny went through was I wanted to launch and I had people locally here in Winchester. I had, the hospital, I had the CSB, I had everybody on board wanting to launch a pilot program um, that would be in the emergency room or somewhere else would be like a, um, a separate waiting area for Thank voluntary you. psychiatric crises that, you know, when somebody presents and they're, you know, Saying like I'm not well, I'm not stable, and um, it's it's a psychiatric crisis. They'll go to a sep- They'll be guided to a separate waiting area as long as you know th- that is the primary issue. You know, if they're coming in on a psychiatric crisis and you know their their legs gushing blood, obviously that needs to be handled first. But you know, if if they you know pretty much that's that's the primary issue, they get guided to a separate waiting area dimmer lights, softer music, there'll be peers in there, crisis workers, people that are trained, trying to keep them engaged until they can get a prompt evaluation, in which case, you know, they get their prompt evaluation and then they get referred to a case manager who's going to work on trying to find them follow-up care. So essentially like a mental health triage service. Um, you know, and I
2: wanted- 20, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I was suggesting trying to launch putting in these like nice trailers outside of emergency rooms okay. where they have peers in there so if anybody came to the hospital either drug seeking or with drug <laughs> issues they could go out to the trailer and it'd be like a little pierced on staff a little recovery community gathering we could have solved so much shit 20 years ago it, and now here we are the, our, our state they they think it's a great idea now they got 90 peers or 70 peers spread out across virginia doing doing the peer work. Yeah, that's a good start, but it's little, it's too little too late, if you ask me. We could we could have done this years ago, been so much further advanced. And now I'm afraid what they're doing is going to be subject to budget cuts. Yeah. And they bureaucratize these peers, you know, 50% of the effectiveness is stripped away from them as a result of over bureaucratizing the simplicity of a peer. Now now back to those barrier laws you spoke of earlier. Those those are like, you know, master levels clinician rules and regulations. You know, they're trying to make a regular peer be it be a paraprofessional or be a drug counselor, which encompasses all those rules and regulations. This is what this is the exact nature where people are going wrong here. And it's keep it simple, stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Know, yeah.
2: My best peer leaders are 90 day wonders, you know,
1: right, right. Well, I mean, and- and even more so, you know, with the with the barrier crimes, you're exactly right. You know, we're we're, um, you know, looking to get licensed. And so, you know, we have to have 24 hour awake staff. And and so that's just essentially direct care. It's not a, a certified peer and it's not a clinician. It's just somebody who is able to kind of monitor the clients and be mm-hmm. present and provide support and make sure rules are being followed, so on and so forth. And they're victim to the barrier crime limitations, too. So, you know, people and I have so many people that are coming to me saying, Julie, I want to work for you. I want to work for you. Like I, you know, and they're on probation or, mm-hmm. you know, they um, have a charge from two years ago for distribution or something like that. And they can't they can't they can't even participate in any capacity at my place. You know, you know so
2: you're, you're going you're to like I hope you're financially successful with your. Upcoming, you know, venture the way things are looking, but you're gonna hate the rules they're gonna put on you. I mean, you know, you're reco- you're a recovery warrior, man. You know, you're not a bureaucrat. So, but I'm I'm glad McShin, We drew the line. You know what I mean? We're gonna keep peers peer, keep authentic, authentic. They got tax dollars. They can help us. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna fight, make them conform to what we need, not conform to what they think they want us to have in we so that's where we're drawing the line and and that's why we do the recovery community organization across virginia because every other state in america they're giving the people what they need and what they're asking for and then every other state is making them demand up to where they want them to be and and the ones that are doing the best are the ones that are keeping it real and keeping it simple and give the people what they need man listen to the voters listen to the people stop creating and inventing protocols on special interests so i'm glad i was able to come on today nate i know you're coming down to the end of the hour yeah, here, yeah. and i didn't mean to crash the party man but, not at
0: all not uh, at all glad to have
1: you. Dude, john just real quick you know i am a recovery warrior i'd like to identify as one and yes i am getting my place licensed but you know what i've gotten to see a lot of stuff along the way of this process and being an advocate i'm kind of thinking
2: Hmm. <laughs> oh yeah!
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the big show, now, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, this is really fun. I'm, 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 and you know, given the context, I'm glad that we're able to come together and talk about these things, and and to talk about affecting change currently. That's about to change in uh, in July as we go forward, and then thinking about the future and how we can, you know, affect. Better outcomes, which is what we're looking for. You know, we're looking for healthier, and 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 uh, you know, I always say happy, but I think content is a better word. Content uh, people. So, so you know,
2: let, hey, 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 let me just throw this out. There. What, <laughs> I, what I heard Julie say was that she like to be the first, the first chairperson of the Virginia Association mm. of Recovery Community Organizations. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 oh really? That's what I heard
2: her say. I, I, yeah. I, I think that's
0: what I heard too. <laughs> Put the head warrior in charge, man. <laughs> Julie, have you are you familiar with the Virginia Recovery Coalition?
1: I am. Um, um, I think I've heard of it. I think I've heard of it.
0: Um, that we could talk offline
2: about that, but that might be something that well, that's my, very bureaucrat heavy. But <laughs> but they trying hard. I give them credit. Well, that's for but I'm,
0: see, John, that's the point. So it's very bureaucrat heavy. So if we bring in people who aren't bureaucrats, we can get. That's why you're you're next to me, Nathan. That was
2: damn good know, talking, any, man.
1: Anywhere you can, I mean, I'm kind of a fireball, so you know.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> don't, don't get the gas in there.
0: <laughs> you might actually already know Becky, our our our, our lobbyist, but um, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh John, do you have anything else you'd like to? Man, that
2: that's <laughs> enough for one hour. I don't want to overdo it. Yeah,
0: so. no. and I I get to go. I, I've got I get to do orientation here, which is kind of fun. I love doing our orientation session. Here, um, so that's 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 my next step at three o'clock. Um, Todd, you've been quiet this session. Do you have anything you want to add? I, I'm, I'm,
2: good. I'm good. Yeah, he said Nate finally got a great show, man. <laughs> got Julie from Winchell
0: on there. <laughs> I had to bring John on to have one good show. Oh <laughs> <laughs> nah, shit, man, your numbers are good, man. I mean, I the beginning (laughs) julie but it worked out beautifully i'm so glad to have have you and i'm looking forward to the conversation going forward the thing i like to ask everybody when they come on you know and and i think it's 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 special to my recovery um and i think you know for a lot of us it's a something that that is important in recovery and it's uh what are you grateful for today
1: another chance um yeah you know and i i say that that's um that is a that's kind of a multi-level um statement you know when I first got clean of course I was grateful for another chance at life you know um I got clean after a near fatal overdose in in 2008 Mm. and um so of course like another chance at life um and now I'm kind of in a place where you know having experienced uh tremendous grief and and the roller coaster ride that that is um you know, any it's it's um you know it never goes away. It ebbs and flows. It comes and it goes. Um, and over the last year, you know, the first year after losing Danny, it was about survival. You know, um, surviving the first the first holidays, the first anniversaries, the first everything, and it was just surviving. It was just day to day. Um, and this last year, it's been about healing. And um, for me, it's it's been about I've experienced um such a beautiful um almost transformation of the soul, um, if you will. I know that sounds incredibly corny, um, but I can't begin to explain to you um, the, I've gotten another chance. um, You know, I've gotten another chance to see life um, differently today, you know? Um, And I'm grateful that I've been able to heal in a way um, after losing Danny to where, you know, I, I don't hate my higher power. I don't hate other people. I've, I've chosen to allow it to strengthen me and to see the beauty and everything. Um, and I just, it, it's changed me as a person. I'm, not, I'm not who I used to be. Um, and I don't ever want to be. And um, I like, I like where my life is going and, and where the universe is taking me. And um, you know, I'm grateful for another chance in, in that regard today. So, um, another chance at at, at living. At really, really living. And I feel like I'm doing that. So
0: that's awesome. Thank you to our very, very special guest, Julie Funkhauser, today. Um, the the uh, driving force behind Danny's law, which goes into effect July 1st, and uh, the journey that uh, has gotten to this point, and where we're going to keep going with making sure that that bill not only gets. You know, put into place as it is, but as we go in and look to strengthen that bill and look to strengthen other bills and bring more equality. Uh, to the recovery community. So, thank you, John, for joining us today, man. Really appreciate you jumping oh, in. A pleasure, Love it. Man. Thank um, you, John. Yeah. Yeah. And Todd, it's a pleasure to have you. It's good to be back on the show for once, uh, once in a once in a <laughs> while here. Um, Julie, I'll talk to you offline, but I got some stuff going on that I'm eager to talk to you about. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, everybody who's been watching out there, and uh, we'll keep it getting in the herd. All right, get in the herd. Thank, thank
2: you, guys. guys. bye, bye, Julie.
1: Bye.